Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of my podcast, Sean Sports Stop, the daily podcast where I report the biggest news in sports and give my unique opinion on all the stories. This is episode number 232, and as per usual, I'm recording from Los Angeles, California on Saturday, February 9th, 2019. So what legendary UFC ring announcer Bruce Buffer did not tell you when he did the intro for my podcast just now was that I'm also going to be covering the news results and future matchups of the LA sports teams. So some of the big news stories that I'm going to be covering in sports include uh, Real Madrid beating Atletico Madrid, the NCAA unveiling their first top 16 bracket of the season for basketball, Alvin Gentry explaining why he sat Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter in a, of a close game, LeBron James saying that his all-star game draft picks did not have to do with uh, them being free agents and him possibly recruiting them to come to the Lakers in the summer, Tobias Harris um, saying that the new, Phil- the new look Philadelphia 76ers are scary, Dabo Swinney saying that Clemson might have given PEDs to players, but by mistake. Number two, Duke sweeping the season series with number three, the University of Virginia in college basketball. Teams reportedly mocking Anthony Davis and Rich Paul after the failed trade to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, The Boston Celtics losing to another LA team, this time blowing a 28-point lead, um, but it was against the Clippers. Luka Doncic saying that it is easier to score in the NBA than in Europe. And Israel Adesanya beating Anderson Silva in the main event of UFC 234. Um, it was supposed to be Kevin Gastelum versus Robert Whitaker. That was supposed to be the main event. But that fight was canceled because of a hernia injury. I believe Whitaker was injured. And Dana White you know, came on the record and said that he said two very surprising things, like major things about the injury. One being that doctors, the doctors that examined him had never had never seen an injury that kind of injury that like that drastic and that major in a person as young as he is it's usually in old in older people and also that Dana White said that if he would compete in the UFC then it would be uh it would be fatal so he would have a a pretty big chance of dying yeah so it was Robert Whitaker who pulled out of UFC 234 and then Kevin Gastelum ruled himself the champion after that so drama already um but before I get into all those stories, I want to say every episode of my podcast is available on every podcast platform that includes iTunes and Spotify. Feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes or subscribe on iTunes. Follow me on Spotify. Um, use uh, Support the podcast by donating through Anchor. All those things really help me out a lot. Um, also provide me with any feedback. If you have any feedback to give, positive or negative. Actually, negative is appreciated as much as the positive feedback, if not more, because that's how you improve. And yeah, also visit my website at seansportstop.com for access to all episodes one, to see which famous athletes I've interviewed two, and to read the articles that I have written under the my blog page three. And the last thing, last but not least, I want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring this episode. Crimson IT is a Los Angeles-based managed IT services company that specializes in ultra-reliable and highly secure IT services for the small and medium-sized companies. If you would like to see if any of your company email passwords have been stolen on the internet, reach out to them. 
And for listeners of my podcast, since I love you guys so much, they will run a free scan on the dark web for any information related to your company that has been, that has been leaked, stolen, or sold. Crimson IT can be reached at 310-838-3700 or crimsonit.com. So the, without further ado, let's get down to it. The first story, believe it or not, despite all the NBA uh, rumors and trades and all that stuff, has to do with European soccer, La Liga. So Real Madrid defeated Atletico Madrid 3-1 to at the Wanda Metropolitano on Saturday and claimed second place from their city rivals in La Liga. Kashmira opened the scoring for the visitors after 16 minutes, but the home side struck back through Antoine Griezmann nine minutes later. Sergio Ramos converted from the penalty spot to make it 2-1 shortly before halftime after the impressive uh, Vinicius Jr. was fouled just inside the box by Jose Jimenez. Substitute and possibly Real Madrid's best player Gareth Bale wrapped up the result on on the 74th minute, slotting home after latching onto a Luka Modric pass. Atletico midfielder Thomas Partey was, was sent off 10 minutes from time for a second yellow card after a foul on Toni Kroos. Um, so big win for Real, Madrid, for Real Madrid. They're now second place in La Liga without Cristiano Ronaldo, who's obviously on Juventus now in Italy. You know, still behind FC Barcelona. But it's a big win, a commanding win, 3-1. And also, I never knew that Sergio Ramos takes penalties because he's a defender. So it's usually the striker or a midfielder or someone like that. Uh-huh. So I, I had no idea about that. So now switching years to college basketball, we have a couple of college basketball stories on this episode. So, uh, Duke, Tennessee, Virginia, and Gonzaga were revealed as the number one seeds during Saturday's NCAA March Madness Bracket Preview on CBS. For the third consecutive year, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament Selection Committee provided an early look at the top 16 seeds in advance of, in advance of March Madness. Here is a look at the selection committee's take on the top four seeds in each of the four regions if the 2018-19 college basketball season ended Saturday. So, after the top 16 seeds were revealed, NCAA.com's Andy Katz offered his predictions for the entire NCAA tournament field. Duke, which has been the number one seed on 13 occasions, was somewhat surprisingly selected as the number one overall seed in the East region. The 20-2 Blue Devils have lost to only Gonzaga and Syracuse, and they hold quality wins over Kentucky and Virginia. Duke is led by a surplus of freshman talent, including Zion Williamson, who's expected to go number one overall, and R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones. Um, But Zion and R.J. Barrett could be the top two picks in the 2019 NBA draft. Uh, Tennessee has been the best and most surprising team in college basketball so far, but it was chosen as the second number one seed in the South region. The Volunteers own a 21-1 record, with their only loss coming to Kansas. Led by National Player of the Year candidate Grant Williams, Tennessee may be poised to end Kentucky's recent run of dominance in the SEC. The Wildcats have won each of the past four conference tournaments. Tennessee has never been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Next is Virginia, who is 20-1. They've been a number one seed six times, including last season when they lost to Maryland-Baltimore County in the first round, making it the first number one seed in NCAA tournament history to lose to a number 16 seed. Virginia's only loss came to Duke, came at Duke in January, which earned which earned it a number one seed in the Midwest region, but spoiler alert, they lost again to Duke tonight. The Cavaliers shot at revenge will come Saturday, and uh, or, you know, they tried. Gonzaga is 22-2 and with losses to both Tennessee and North Carolina. They do have some big wins on their resume, though, including Duke and Washington, along with a pair of victories over San Francisco, which netted it, which netted it the projected number one seed in the West region. They're a very talented team, but forward Rui Hachimura is the clear go-to guy who will likely have a big hand in how far Gonzaga goes this season. Um, notably, Nevada was a number four seed on Saturday special, despite the fact the Wolfpack have just one loss and are ranked sixth in the Associated Press Top 25 poll. 
On the telecast, it was mentioned that Villanova, Virginia Tech, and Texas Tech were among the teams that narrowly missed out on a top 16 seed. The 2019 NCAA tournament bracket will be revealed in five weeks on Selection Sunday on March 17th. So that's that. I agree with most of it, but, you know, um, Nevada definitely should have been higher than a four seed in their region. So now switching gears to the NBA, more on Anthony Davis, but this does not have to do with any potential trade for once. New Orleans Pelicans head coach, head coach Alvin Gentry addressed the decision to not play Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter of Friday's 122-117 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Gentry told reporters uh, Davis reached his minutes threshold before the fourth quarter began. So he said, quote, we had talked about playing between 22 and 25 minutes, Gentry said. That's why he didn't go back in the game. Davis was playing for the first time since January 18th after being diagnosed with a sprained left finger. He was also he also made a high-profile trade request but was not dealt before Thursday's trade deadline. Even though Davis was limited to only 25 minutes in three quarters, he made them count with 32 points and a game-high plus-minus of plus 22. The Pelicans are stuck in a very uncomfortable position. They need to play their healthy superstar to avoid incurring fines from the NBA, but if Davis sustains a serious injury, it could significantly impact his trade value in the summer. And, you know, we saw guys, you know, very recently, a couple episodes ago, I covered that John Wall is going to be out for a whole calendar year, not a season, but a whole calendar year, because he ruptured his Achilles uh, just while being at home, not even engaging in any kind of physical activity, basketball, nothing like that, just being at home. And now Anthony Davis is playing NBA basketball again, so the Pelicans obviously don't want him to get injured so that um, they can, you know, so that they would be able to trade him. So now, um, switching gears to more NBA LeBron James, you know, his uh, all-star picks were talked about because many people believe that he picked players that he is interested in teaming up with in the summer. So LeBron James raised some eyebrows with his selections in the 2019 NBA All-Star Game draft, but the Los Angeles Lakers superstar wants to make it clear that he was using the, quote, best player available strategy and nothing more. On Saturday, James quieted the notion that he was using the draft as a way to help him recruit players to Los Angeles Sports Center. He said, quote, Everyone kind of gets up for fantasy basketball talk, James said per ESPN.com's Dave McMenamin. Guys that are restricted free agents that are free agents, I don't know, guys that have player options. That's all part of the speculation that continues to drive our sport. So Team James consists of Kevin Durant of the Golden State Warriors, who was rumored to come to the Lakers, Kyrie Irving of the Boston Celtics, who recently made amends with LeBron, who was rumored to come into the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard of the Toronto Raptors, who was rumored to come into the Lakers, James Harden of the Houston Rockets, Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans, who was rumored to be who wants to come to the Lakers? He's made it known and was almost traded to the Lakers at the deadline. Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors, who might come to the Lakers. Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. Lamarcus Aldridge of the San Antonio Spurs. Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat, his buddy. And Ben Simmons of the, of the Philadelphia 76ers, who was acquired in a draft day trade with Team Giannis for Russell Westbrook. Interestingly, interestingly five of LeBron, James, of LeBron James's first six picks. We're either players who can be free agents this summer, Durant, Irving, Leonard, and Thompson, or have requested a trade, Davis. Harden was the only player whose future with his current team is not in question. So, and people took notice. ESPN Stats and Info tweeted the I, I, like, I noticing emoji. Jared Dudley tweeted, quote, Braun is no dummy. Drafted KD, Kyrie, Kawhi, and AD. All have an opportunity to play with him by this summer. And then three thinking emojis. Thomas Duffy tweeted, quote, LeBron's first three picks, KD, Kyrie, Kawhi, are all free agents this summer. Light years. Even fellow captain Giannis Antetokounmpo brought up the topic of tampering. He accused LeBron of tampering after he picked Anthony Davis to his team. Um, 
James's picks were especially intriguing after the Lakers had reportedly spent the week leading up to the February 7th trade deadline trying to acquire AD from the Pelicans and with the team sitting in 10th place in the Western Conference at 28 and 27 speculation of a roster makeover persist. Tempering in the NBA has become a hot topic in recent seasons with New Orleans even requesting the league keep everyone in check uh, amid Davis's trade request. Of note, Lakers president Magic Johnson was fined $50,000 last June for comments regarding Giannis Antetokounmpo. Tampering rules have yet to be enforced against players, though, and as James said on TNT on Thursday night, quote, tampering rules does not apply on All-Star weekend. Uh, team James will be worth watching next weekend in Charlotte, even if the reigning All-Star game MVP didn't drive this team with the intention of recruiting. It's going to be a great game, and I'm excited. So now we're going to be transitioning to more, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he picked all the players that he might want to play with, you know, with the Lakers. It's, definitely, there's definitely some recruiting aspect to it, for sure. So now transitioning to more NBA. Following his debut with the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday night, Tobias Harris believes his new team will be intimidating heading down the stretch and into the playoffs. Per Moke Hamilton of Sixers Wire, Harris spoke about what he saw from the Sixers during their 117-110 win over the Denver Nuggets. Quote, I think when you I think when we go back and look at film of this game, and even you can see from the, this game pockets in the game where you said, dang, this is something scary here. Harris was acquired by the 76ers along with Boban Marjanovic and Mike Scott in a trade with the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday. It was the second major trade pulled off by Philadelphia general manager Elton Brand this season. He obviously he famously added Jimmy Butler in a November trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Per ESPN stats and info, thanks to the addition of Harris, the Sixers are the only team in the NBA with five players who average at least 17 points per game. The starting five of Harris, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, JJ Redick, and Ben Simmons combined for 97 of their 117 points against Denver. So other than other than um, starting five of Harris, Butler, Embiid, Redick, and Simmons, there were only 20 points scored by other players. Even though Harris and Butler can, can become free agents this summer, Woj of ESPN reported the 76ers are setting themselves up to re-sign both players and keep them together with Simmons and Embiid for the long term. Philadelphia's win over the Nuggets moved it into, the tie, into, tie, into a tie with the Boston Celtics for the number four seed in the Eastern Conference, with the Indiana Pacers just one game ahead of both teams. Harris figures to be one of the season's biggest trade deadline acquisitions. The 26-year-old is averaging a career-high 21 points a game and ranks 8th in the NBA with a 43.73 point percentage. It's a great acquisition for the Sixers. They're looking as a scary team. But you know what to toss up the Raptors, Celtics, 76ers, Bucks. Those are all teams that can come out of the East, maybe even the Pacers. They've been playing very well despite Victor Oladipo's season-ending injury. So with that, we're going to be switching gears to college football. This was uh, pretty funny when I first read it, to be honest. So Clemson head coach Davos, Davos Winnie said Saturday that the banned substances that caused the suspensions for defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence, tight end Braden Galloway, and offensive lineman Zach Giella could have been accidentally provided by the school. According to Grace Rayner and Gene Sapikoff of the Post and Courier, Swinney didn't rule out the possibility of a mistake on Clemson, Clemson's end, saying, quote, oh yeah, I mean, there's a chance that it could come from anything. They're going to test everything and look at everything, and that's the problem. As you really look at this stuff, it could be a contaminant that came, that came from anything. That was something that was cleared and not a problem, and all of a sudden it becomes there was something. Lawrence Galloway and Gallo were suspended and not eligible to play during the college football playoff last season after testing positive for Osterine. The three players t had been, uh, have been suspended for the 2019 season pending appeal, although Lawrence will avoid the punishment after declaring for the 2019 NFL Draft. Lawrence was highly productive for, in his three seasons at Clemson. He registered 62 tackles and 6.5 and sacks as a freshman in 2016, 33 tackles and 2 sacks in 2017, and then 36 tackles and 1.5 sacks in 2018. So interesting how his play was, um, he was very, great as a freshman, great as a, great as a freshman, good as a sophomore, and okay as a junior. 
Despite playing without Lawrence, the Tigers beat Notre Dame in the college football playoff semifinal and then shockingly blew out Alabama 44-16 in the college football playoff national championship. In the, in the latest 2019 NFL mock draft by Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, he projected that the, that the Los Angeles Chargers will select Lawrence with the number 60 overall pick in the second round of the draft. Swinney will be forced to completely reshape his defensive line in 2019, as Lawrence, uh, Cleland Farrell, Austin Bryant, Christian Wilkins, and Albert Huggins all entered the NFL draft. going to be tough for uh, Davos Swinney and Clemson for sure, but they're still a top team. You know, they have Trevor Lawrence. They're, they're pretty set, to be honest. So now switching gears to more college basketball. R.J. Barrett scored 26 points, and Zion Williamson had 18 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. As number 2 Duke beat number 3 Virginia on 81-71 on Saturday at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome each scored 16 points for the 20-2 Cavaliers, who fell to 8-2 in ACC play. Both of their losses have now been to Duke. Cam Reddish added 17 points and knocked down 5 three-pointers for the 21-2 Blue Devils who improved to an ACC best 9-1 in conference play and made 13 of 21 shots from downtown. Los Angeles Lakers forward LeBron James and teammate and point guard Rajon Rondo watched the game fresh off their 129-128 win over the Boston Celtics on Thursday. LA will play the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday afternoon. So that is that. Switching gears to more, a huge win uh, for Duke. Switching gears to more NBA. This was pretty sad, to be honest. And... um. Yeah, people around the NBA had a, lot of, had, a lot, had a lot of fun at the expense of New Orleans Pelicans star Anthony Davis and his agent Rich Spall of Clutch Sports after the trade deadline passed on Thursday. Speaking on the Brian Winhurst and Hoop Collective and the Hoop Collective podcast, Winhurst said he received numerous messages mocking Davis and Paul because the All-Star Center wasn't traded. He said, quote, I couldn't believe how my phone blew up at 3 p.m. Thursday with people mocking Anthony Davis and Rich Paul Winhurst said, agents, other teams, league officials saying, boy, they really screwed up. Paul told ESPN, Woj of ESPN on January 28th that Davis had requested a trade with, with the Pelicans, uh, from the Pelicans. That left the team only 10 days to work out a deal before Thursday's trade deadline. The alternative was to have Davis finish this season in New Orleans before general manager Del Demps presumably explores options this summer or they wait until the summer of 2020 where he can leave as a free agent for nothing. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. Transitioning to more more NBA the Boston Celtics have now lost two straight games versus LA LA basketball teams that they had big leads in. Uh, I mean, and uh, it was funny because I was listening to a podcast episode by Bill Simmons during during it was either during or right after the trade deadline ended, and he uh, he said for the Celtics, you know, the games versus the Lakers and Clippers should be games that they should win easily because the Clippers traded away their best player in Tobias Harris, and the Lakers just lost by forty two points to Indiana at the time, so those looked like two easy wins, and yeah, I'll get into that right now. Adding insult to injury, the Boston Celtics blew a 28-point lead on their home floor as they dropped Saturday night's game against the Los Angeles Clippers, 123-112. According to ESPN Stats and Info, it marked the largest come-from-behind victory in Clippers history and was the team's second 25-point comeback win this season. Meanwhile, ESPN Stats and Info also noted that it was the sixth time in the last 20 seasons the Celtics have blown a 25-point lead and lost, twice as many, twice as, many as any other team during that span. That historic collapse certainly did not sit well with the T-Garden crowd. Uh, Celtic, the Celtics had booed off the court after they, they blew the lead. I mean, Boston jumped out to a 23-point lead in the opening 12 minutes after doubling up Los Angeles with 43 first-quarter points. The Celtics eventually grew their lead to 28 with just under five minutes to play in the first half. Then things went downhill quickly. Right after the Celtics grabbed their largest lead of the night, Irving came up limping while trying to defend a three-pointer. Not only did the shot go in, but the all-star point guard also would exit the game moments later and would not return due to a right knee sprain. Meanwhile, the Clippers started to chip away. 
They managed to cut the deficit down to 21 points by halftime, setting the tone for a big second half, very similar to what the Lakers did. But, you know, the Lakers cut the lead down from 18 to 9. The Clippers did it from 28 to 21. So definitely tougher for the Clippers. After allowing 74 points in the first half, Los Angeles held Boston to only 12 points in the third quarter, exactly what the Lakers did as well. By the end of the period, the margin had been trimmed all the way down to only five points. The Clippers complete, completed the comeback and then some by outscoring the Celtics 42 to 26 over the final 12 minutes. Just like that, Boston saw a 28-point lead turn into an 11-point loss. What makes this loss even more stunning is the fact that it just comes two days again after they blew an 18-point lead against the Lakers. Um, as NBA on ESPN pointed out on Twitter, this game featured a number of feats. So they tweeted, quote, The Clippers' 28-point comeback W, uh, largest comeback by any team on the road since 2009, biggest blown lead for the Celtics since 2003, Clippers the first team in the last 20 seasons with multiple 25-point comebacks in a season. The Clippers had, um, yeah, so huge win for the Clippers. Uh, not good for the Lakers because th they needed the Celtics to win this one because, you know, they're fighting the Clippers for a playoff spot. Obviously, the players want to make the playoffs. But I'm not sure that the management really cares. They're focused on this season, trying to get Katie and Kawhi uh, to L.A., but with the Clippers on the next season, potentially with those guys. So now switching gears to more NBA, some surprising comments coming from Luka Doncic. The NBA is widely regarded as the you know best basketball league in the world, but Dallas Mavericks rookie guard Luka Doncic, who is averaging 20.6 points on 43.2% shooting, played over three seasons professionally for Real Madrid of Liga ACB in Spain, before he entered the NBA. On Friday, he spoke with Alex Madrid of Eurohoops.net and explained some differences on the offensive end between Europe and the NBA, saying, quote, here in the NBA, it's easier to, to score compared to Europe, of course, Doncic said. In Europe, the court is smaller and, and here there is the three seconds rule. I think it's easier to score here. An NBA court is 94 feet by 50 feet, while a FIBA International Basketball Federation court must be 28 meters by 15 meters or roughly 92 feet by 49 feet. So it's shorter by two feet and one foot. The NBA's defensive three-second rule was instituted in 2001. Scoring has dramatically uh, changed in the NBA over the past 15 seasons. In 2003-04, the league average for team points was 93.5. This season, every team is scoring over 100 points tonight, with the league average coming in at over 110.6 points a game. Doncic's ideas regarding court dimensions and the three-second rule are among the other reasons the NBA has seen a drastic scoring rise. Hand-checking has been eliminated. The mid-range jumper is nearly archaic as teams are shooting more threes than ever. You know, you guys, you have center shooting threes like Jokic and Embiid. The, quote, seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns from the mid-2000s sped up a game that was painfully slow at the turn of the century. Positionless basketball has opened up the floor, leading to more fluidity and freedom of movement. It's also not as common to see big men run down the shot clock as they back down a defender into the lane before a shot attempt. All of this to leads to far more entertaining basketball than previous years when teams might have struggled just to pass 70 points. Nowadays, teams, you know, I just said the the Celtics scored like 72 points against the Clippers. That's in, in one half, like in two quarters. That's pretty easy nowadays. Not that hard. to. I mean, it's it doesn't happen a lot, but teams never struggle to pass 70 nowadays. It's They struggle to pass 120. That's 130. That's usually what it is. So now switching gears to MMA to close out the big new section of this episode. So, the last style bender got a signature victory at UFC 234 on Saturday as Israel Adesanya defeated Anderson Silva via unanimous decision. The three judges had thirty to had a thirty to twenty seven, thirty to twenty seven, and twenty nine to twenty eight to take the main event and uh, in Melbourne, Australia. The two strikers settled into a slow pace for the majority of the first round. Adesanya spent much of the time stalking forty three year old Silva, establishing his range with body and leg kicks. Uh, while the spider had a few positive moments in the opening frame, they became a little more regular in a competitive second round. He just played some offense, landing flush combinations on Adesnaya 29 when he saw openings. 
but Silva's flashes weren't enough to convince the judges. Adesnaya studied a uh, diet of leg kicks, picked away at the spider, and built the lead on the scorecards. Even though it didn't seem as though the younger fighter was willing to commit to ending the bout with a submission or knockout. Despite the loss, it was a respect-earning performance for Silva. Given the age disparity, the age difference, and lowered expectations, he put forth a performance that earned him a round against the fighter, who could be the middleweight division's next big thing in the UFC. The victory moves Adesnaya to a perfect 16-0 in his professional career and into a likely matchup with the winner of the cancelled fight between Robert Whitaker and Kevin Gastelum if and when it gets rescheduled. Um, Adesnaya has been a force since he entered the UFC in 2018. He turned in three Performance of the Night award showings in the calendar year and has a win over the legendary Silva to kick off his 2019. Now that the New Zealander believes he shot at the belt is, uh, is forthcoming, saying, quote, The path has been cleared, that's all I can say. I just now I said before the bout per Scott Harris of Bleacher Report, if Whitaker wins, I'm going to challenge him for the belt, and if Kevin Gastelum wins, guess what? I'm going to Mexico. It won't be surprising to me if that happens. Adesnaya is the closest thing to Silva that the division has ever seen um, since before the former champions declined. But the bigger story coming out of this fight may be the end of Silva's career. Before this bout, Silva had interest in fighting at least one more time in Brazil, saying, quote, My focus now is for this fight, Silva said per Mike uh, Bond and John Morgan of MMA Junkie. I think hopefully I win this fight or not, but I think my plan is to fight in um, Curitiba. It is my city, my country with my next opponent. Next opponent, That's my goal. So that's the latest. Um, you know, that's what he's saying. And actually, I lied. <laughs> we have one more story and it has to do with the celtics you know blown blown lead against the clippers so the boston celtics you know lost to the clippers 123 to 112 after blowing a 28 point lead celtics forward marcus morris vented in his postgame talk with the reporters saying quote it hasn't been a it hasn't been fun for a long time i watch all these other teams around the league and guys are up on the bench they're enjoying everything and they're playing together and they're playing to win and when and when i look at us i just see a bunch of individuals we're going to lose games, but we don't have no attitude and we don't have no toughness. We ain't having fun. It's been a long season. Not all hope is lost, though, because, you know, the Celtics are 35 and 21, fifth in the East. Uh, naturally, tensions might be a bit high in Boston. And Morris further elaborated on his comments per Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston, saying, quote, For us to be a championship team, this bleep has to change, man. We have to genuinely want to win. That has to be the first goal. Whatever that changes, I'm with it. Trade deadline is over. This is the team we're rocking with. This is what we going with. For me, it's not really about the loss. It's about the attitude that we're playing with. Guys are hanging their heads. It's just not fun. It's not fun. We're not competing at a high level. Even though we're winning, it's not fun. I don't see the joy in the game. So when, you know, a good player comes out and says that, uh, now, you know, that's pretty sad. But, you know, it is what it is. That's the Celtics. And as a Laker fan, I'm not all that upset, believe it or not. So now we're going to be uh, transitioning to the Los Angeles sports teams. Starting with the Lakers, the Lakers did not play today, but they do play tomorrow in a marquee matchup. Um, it's uh, tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time against the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, on the road, game's going to be on ABC. Uh, Mike Muscala will be playing against his former team. The 76ers traded him to the Clippers. But before he played a single game for the Clippers, the Clippers traded him to the Lakers for Ivica Zubac and Michael Beasley. So he's going against his former team. Reggie Bullock, who was acquired from the Detroit Pistons in exchange for Svetislav Mikhailuk in a second-round pick, will also make his Laker debut. Uh, Muscala in the center, and Bullock, I believe, is a small forward, but they're both three points. They can both shoot the three well and space the floor well. So we'll see how that goes. The Clippers obviously already covered, you know, multiple times. They beat the Celtics one twenty-three to one twelve. Clippers are now five games over five hundred at thirty-one and twenty-six. While the Celtics are at thirty-five and twenty-one. So the Clippers, uh, let's see how they have done recently. 
the Clippers have are now back in the win column after losing to the Indiana Pacers by 24 points. They will look to make it two in a row as they take on the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road at 5 p.m. Pacific time, Monday, February 11th, uh, you know, in Minnesota. So taking a look at the NBA standings now. The Lakers are in 10th place. They are at 28-27, and 27, one game over 500. Four and six in their last ten, 11 and a half games back of the Warriors for first place. And the Clippers are at 31 and 26, five, game over, five games over 500, nine games back of the Warriors, six and four in their last 10, and they won their last one. So the Lakers are two games behind of the Clippers for the last playoff spot. Los Angeles Kings played today, and it was a pretty tough loss. So the Kings uh, lost 5 4 in overtime to the Boston Bruins on the road. Bruins are now 30 17 and 8, while the Kings are 23 27 and 5. You know, it's, the Kings were down 1-0, up 2-1, down 4-2. They tied it at 4, but then they lost uh, Patrice Bergeron v. Jonathan Quick in overtime on the power play. Dustin Brown had an assist. Drew Doughty had an, had an assist. Oscar Fantenberg had an, had a goal. In fact, it was his first goal of the year. Alex Iafalo had a goal. Andre Kopitar had a goal. Alec Martinez, Dion Phaneuf, Tyler Toffoli had assists. Jonathan Quick gave up 5 goals, but he saved um, 28 shots. So... You can't really blame any of the goals that he gave up on him. For the Bruins, Patrice Bergeron had a great game. Seven shots on goal. One goal, two assists. Danton Heinen had a goal and an assist. Tori Krug had two assists. Brad Marchand had a goal and an assist. Charlie McAvoy had a goal and an assist. David Krejci had a goal. David uh, Pasternak had an assist. And that's that's all for the Bruins. Tukarask was great as well. Saving 25 of 29 shots, but he did go, give up four goals. The Kings will look to get back in the win column as they take on the Washington Capitals on Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time in Washington, the defending Stanley Cup champions. The Anaheim Ducks played today and they got destroyed again. They played the Philadelphia Flyers and they lost 6-2. The Ducks are now 21-26-9, while the Flyers are 25-23-7. Ryan Gesloff had two assists. Nick Ritchie had a goal and an assist, and Adam and Henrique had a goal. For the Flyers, Sean Couturier had a goal and two assists. Travis uh, Connesney had a goal and an assist. Michael Raffle had a goal and an assist. Phil Verone had a goal and an assist. Robert Hag had an assist. Scott Lawton had an assist. Oscar Lindblom had a goal. Andrew McDonald had an assist. Nolan Patrick had a goal. Jack Voracek and James Van Rieslijk had um, an assist each. Claude Giroux didn't have anything. Carter Hart was great, saving 30 of 32 shots. So the Ducks, let's take a look at their last games, last few games. They lost 6-2 to the Flyers by four goals, 4-0 to the Senators by four goals, 4-1 to the Canadians by three goals, 6-1 to the Maple Leafs by five goals, 9-3 to the Jets by six goals, 5-1 to the Blues by four goals, 3-0 to the Islanders by three goals. So they're just every game they're losing, they're getting killed. They will look to get back in the win column, snap their long losing streak on Wednesday, February 13th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time back home against the Vancouver Canucks. Taking a look at the NHL standings to close out this episode of Sean Sports Up in the Pacific Division. The Kings are finally not in last place at 23-27-5. They have 51 points, a, mi- a goal difference of minus 33, 6-2-2 and two in their last 10, which is very solid. They did lose their last one, though, as I covered. Uh, the Ducks, meanwhile, are 21-26-9. They lost seven games in a row, 2-8 and eight in their last 10, minus 55 goal difference, also 51 points. But the Kings are now looking to make a playoff push. They're... Two points behind the Edmonton Oilers and Arizona Coyotes. Four points behind the Vancouver Canucks, who they will play soon. Um, and I'm going to take a look at the wildcard standings to see how far the Kings are out, are out of the uh, you know second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Uh, so let's take a look at that. So in the Western Conference, the two wildcard spots are held by the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. 
So the Kings have 51 points, as I said multiple times now. The Blues have 57. So the Kings are six points out of the second wild card spot. Still lots lots of time. The season ends in April. We are in, in mid-February. So the Kings can definitely make a playoff push. And ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Stop. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, until next time.